0: Thanks for listening to The Derivative. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment, or tax advice. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of RCM Alternatives, their affiliates, or companies featured. Due to industry regulations, participants on this podcast are instructed not to make specific trade recommendations nor reference past or potential profits, and listeners are reminded that managed futures, commodity trading, and other alternative investments are complex and carry a risk of substantial losses. As such, they are not suitable for all investors.
1: Welcome to The Derivative by RCM Alternatives, where we dive into what makes alternative investments go, analyze the strategies of unique hedge fund managers, and chat with interesting guests from across the investment world.
2: I think everybody was fixated on this vol move. Um, You know, I'm one of those guys on Twitter that's openly speaking on the fact that it's very, very difficult to get volatility to go through the roof and get that convexity when guys are pre-hedged, right? So you've had that bid in vol this entire time and then finally we get the event and you have this vol compression and now people are kind of just looking to hedge off some of that, that, uh, that long vol risk, right? So they're buying stocks.
1: everyone. We are here the day after the U.S. election. Uh, I held in there watching the coverage until about 3 a.m. and then got about four hours of sleep. So if I sound or look a little disheveled, that's my excuse. Uh, But here we are towards the end of the of November 4th, the day after. And there's been no winner declared. There's been no concessions by either side. There's been lawsuits and Supreme Court involvement threatened. Uh, There's likely to be recounts and runoff elections. And with all that uncertainty out there, the Nasdaq is up over 5%. What the f*** is happening? Does the market even care who's president? What happens if a winner isn't announced for two more days? There's a lot of questions, none of which the market seems to care about. So in today's U.S. election, WTF episode, we're joined by Matt Labiolette, founder and principal at Breakout Funds, and Chris Cidiel, vice president at Ambrose Group, to talk about all these potential outcomes and the market fallout slash reaction surrounding them. So welcome, guys, and let's jump in. So Matt, we've had a pod before. We'll put that in the show notes and uh can do your intro there. Uh, but you want to just give a super quick background on yourself and breakout funds?
0: Sure. So um so breakout funds was started by myself and uh a gentleman named Aaron Larkin. Um so we were our background is from prop trading space. So we spent you know, 15 years trading our own accounts or you know, our prop trading firm's accounts. Um and just sort of evolved in that space, and then 2015 we uh, we joined up again. We kind of took separate paths and joined up again to to launch Breakout. Um, with the idea being that um, you know it's kind of our our edge is that that's the mindset we bring is is the prop trading space of you know we want to be an absolute return fund where we think whatever market is there we should be making money. Um, you know, granted there's. Some markets we make, you know, it's going to be better for us than others. Um, but we want to be, you know, really adaptive, really uh, be able to to change with markets, just like we've seen in the last, you know, 24 hours. So, um, you know, movement like this is is what we want. Um, doesn't? It's not a guarantee that that, that uh, you know things work out, but um, it, it's at least it's at least what we work for. Look for,
1: excuse me. Awesome, and Chris, this is your first time on the derivative. Here, we're going to do a full pod with you somewhere down the line, but uh, give us a quick background and what you're doing at Ambrose.
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, I actually started trading uh, on the retail side uh, during my college days. From there, I came out and uh, was trading on the prop desk at Chimera Securities. Uh, from there, I went to Xanthus Capital Management. Uh, it was a buy side, small buy side equity hedge fund. Um, from that point, I went over to work under one of the Individuals that started the CBOE, um, one of the president of the CBOE, Market Makers Association. That's uh, kind of where I really dove into it and learned how to trade ball. Uh, spending my time in his uh, family office, trading with him every single day. Um, from that point, I went to BMO um, on the exotics and listed options desk, uh, spent about three and a half years at BMO. Uh, kind of got the, the gist of what it was like to manage a large ball book. Um, seeing all the uh, little intricacies of managing the uh, risk levels and um, really getting the, um, the full scope of market microstructure. And uh, from that point on, my partner and I were, were constantly in talks um, to a point where we were back testing things. And based on the market condition and the regime change that took place, we actually decided to branch off and do this on our own. That's where we decided to start up the Ambers Group. Um, and we're focused on more so relative value and dispersion trading. We are a volatility arbitrage fund. Uh, we also do carry some short ball stuff in the book where we focus on the roll yield and the VIX term structure and um, a few other uh, angles on the Kurtosis side. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much where we're at, you know, decided to uh, make the leap this year and um, just trade relative value and the uh, ball right. You don't look old
1: enough to have all those names on your resume.
2: <laughs> thank you that's a compliment
1: right or you, or you jump around every three months one or the other it's a good thing <laughs> um, brighter pastures so let's i'll start with you chris from that kind of market maker background and you know last night nasdaq was up three percent or so i think it went up as high as five and a half or something this uh today what what are your thoughts on what's driving that flow is that retail is that market makers unwinding hedges what do you think that flow is like
2: yeah, so I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think everybody was fixated on this vol move. Um, you know, I'm one of those guys on Twitter that's openly speaking on the fact that it's very, very difficult to get volatility to go through the roof and get that convexity when guys are pre-hedged, right? So you have had that bid in vol this entire time, and then finally we get the event, and you have this vol compression, and now people are kind of just uh, looking to hedge off some of that, that uh that long vol risk. Right. So they're buying stocks. Um, so that, that absolutely is, uh, you know, what you would, I I know you had, uh, the, the famous, uh, Jim Carson on here talking about Dana flows, (laughs) but no, he's, he's right. It's a, it's a little bit of that that's taking place. Um, we're also noticing, uh, on the institutional side, there definitely is a, a bid on the institutional side. You know, i I seen some people talking about that. This is strictly retail. This is not strictly retail. We're seeing some of the more complex products like, you know, you and I were just discussing before before we started recording the uh, five year high yield CDX that that's been tightening. Right. We we're noticing all across the street that the actual appetite is positive positive, um, and the sentiment is positive. And, and, and I think it's uh, it's respected and it's um it's it's true. I, I'm buying into it as well. Um, because when you have this this potential administration change, right? The market right now, I think, has is pricing a seventy five percent chance that uh, you have a Biden win. Um, couple that along with a Republican Senate, and the way how people view things is this: is that okay? Well, we're still going to get some type of stimulus, right? Because there's no way that they could not implement a part of a stimulus based on the resurgence of the virus and and everything that's taking place. But on the same accord, the the issues that would take place with um, with uh, taxes and capital gains, that's going to be more of a gridlock with a a, uh, a red Senate. So I think people are All looking right. at this and, and they're basically saying, like, OK, well, you know, short term, it's going to be good. And in the long run, the uh, the Democrats can't really mess this up in a sense. Um, and then, you know, there's a few other things, too, when you talk about. Uh, the, the the capital gains changing. You also talk about potential regulations on Wall Street changing. So the fact that we avoided that blue wave, per se, um, it, it's absolutely looked at as bullish, and I'm, I'm kind of buying into so that. So it's like
1: on a stock side, sell the rumor, buy the news. On a vol side, buy the rumor,
2: sell the news. <laughs> In a way, yep. yeah.
1: Uh, Matt, what, about, what are your first knee-jerk uh, reactions to last night, what you saw, and then again heading into today when you woke up? Or did you, did you go to sleep?
0: I did for a little bit, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> I pulled at 3 a.m. or I think it was about... Yeah, it. I might
0: actually sleep a little bit today, too. We'll see. But uh, yeah, no, I think that, that those are all... Chris made good good points. Um, you know, I think, you know, for us kind of coming into this event, um, you know, it was all about, you know, all the our investors were asking kind of what's the playbook? What do we think, you know, early last week? And I just kind of really didn't want to give an answer because it really mattered where the markets were the day before, or the, you know, even the night before um, positioning wise, because just like Chris was mentioning, you know, we've had a, you know, a premium bid in November and December of all for six months, even back in the the height of the crisis, they were bidding up, you know, November and December of all. And the consensus has been, Oh my God, there's going to be chaos, a disputed election, which we might be getting into here, which we don't know. Um, But just by nature, unless there's, you know, the chaos is unimaginable. That ball has to be has to come in, and so you get a bit in stocks, and you, you see what happens. It's kind of why, you know, last night, so, you know, spooz went down about thirty three thirty. I'd you know thirty three thirty was kind of the low, um, you know, mid evening uh, when when Biden was looking good, and then about eight thirty at night, Dodd switched to Trump quite heavily. Uh, futures rallied about a hundred handles. Um, ball started coming in, and you know and then around 11 or midnight it started you know looking like it might go back towards biden odds you know the the probabilities kind of shifted again and you know with those two press conferences that you know with no results and you know odds kind of shifted back towards biden and futures kind of came off they actually made a new low but vol kept was was suppressed still right so there was there was an offer on that volatility and so and then it became apparent somewhere in the middle of the night when i actually slept a couple hours that um, you know, the Senate was actually probably going to hold red. And so that is like takes the worst case scenario off the table. Um, and so with that, you know, we, gridlock is probably good for markets. And at least it stops the, you know, maybe the crazy, you know, policy that, you know, would be really
1: onerous tax policy and stuff like that. Um, yeah. What, off the table For now. So what did I read the other day that Microsoft... Amazon and Apple have each added over a trillion in market cap since 2016 election, right? So if you're an investor in those, you're like, just, yeah, keep as much the same as possible, right? Don't change too much. Don't bring on too much new regulation. We've been killing it with those. Uh, Keep it going.
0: Yeah. I mean, big, big tech is, is kind of leading the show today. The rest of the, you know, the rest of the market's not really doing too much, actually breath negative today. um, But just those big, big cap tech is, is up a lot. And yeah, you know, there's gonna, probably lots of reasons for that. You know, there's, they're, they're not going to maybe, you know, try and break them up or whatever. It, I was going to really bring that up.
1: You have uh yeah, the Russell futures are basically flat with the NASDAQ up four and a half, which is pretty crazy spread yeah. there. Yeah. Um, So Chris, bring it back to you. What were you mentioned? The, uh, the CDX trades again, what were you talking about there?
2: Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we, you know, just going back to what we were saying before, a lot of people were talking about this is this is kind of retail frenzy buying, but it's not, you know, because on the institutional side, we we noticed that tightening in the CDX, and there's a few other products too that that we were noticing. Um, just going off of some of the flow that we have from some of our coverage. Uh, it, that, talk it, that, that
1: through. Talk that through for uh, dumb futures traders like ourselves. So what what <laughs> what is the institutional doing when they're tightening that CDX spread?
2: yeah so it's using uh, it as a
1: risk proxy essentially
2: right essentially so when they're tightening that uh that cdx spread what they are doing is they're basically um they're basically viewing the the default risk in those high yield uh areas as 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 less all right that's that's the way to put it um is that when that that uh index tightens, it's a good way to look at uh the actual sentiment on the street in regards to default especially when you're talking about high yield um and in the ig side uh, IGCDX2 5 year was also looking uh looking pretty uh pretty tight. So um yeah, on the institutional side it's, it it was definitely looking like the flows were positive. Um some of the coverage that we were getting, it felt like um it felt like guys were buying into this. But, you know, it kind of leads into a really good point too because this this isn't finished. Uh, and as much as 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 we kind of feel like okay, this is kind of done. Um you know, you still have a chance where Trump could maybe come out of nowhere and and, and take this. And that could offer a shell shock effect where guys were already starting to pre-position and then now, okay, everything changes. And then that could add to you know excess volatility. So it it seems
1: hard to imagine there'd be a huge sell off, even if that change. It seems like the whole play was just focus on the Senate, not the president.
2: Right, right. It it absolutely felt that way. Um, You know, I think I think the way how investors are looking at it, is they were kind of balancing off two sides and seeing the extremes that could come from it. And once you kind of avoided that uh, scenario where you just have a blue wave that's coming out of nowhere, and now that that's in the back burner, well, it's a little more of a risk-on sense where guys are like, okay, we're, we're willing to actually buy into this. And, you know, I, again, I think there will be some sort of added fiscal spending under a – um under a Biden administration. I think based on where the economy is right now, you won't see too much gridlock as what the media is portraying for the, um, you know, the uh, Republican Senate. I think there'll be more understanding. I'm I'm not saying they're going to go and spend as much as, you know, if you you had a, a blue wave, but I do think that in the midst of a pandemic, they'll be a little more lenient on that front. But what they won't be lenient to is some of the capital gains, taxation, some of the regulations on Wall Street, some of the, um, the tax increases and that's good. Right. Uh, I mean, we look at how we performed, um, in the last four years prior to COVID, if you were invested in the market, you made money, right? It was very difficult for you not to make money. So I think people have that in the back of their heads and they're thinking, okay, well you couple that with the fact that you have a potential, a potential vaccine on the way. Right. Um, there's a few other uh, pinpoint areas that's coming up where people could look at this and say, yeah, I'm I'm willing to take the risk and, and buy equities here.
1: Yeah, it seems to me, though, that 75% seems still too low. Like, once they just called Wisconsin. It seems to me that, at least on the presidential side, that should be a little higher, but...
0: They just called oh. Michigan while he was talking there. Uh, oh, really? Oh. For Biden? For Biden, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, right now, obviously, the game is Arizona. If Arizona doesn't flip to Trump, then it's sort of over. Um, but if Arizona flips to Trump, Trump can win without Michigan or Wisconsin, so...
1: And he's got to hold Pennsylvania, yeah. And get Nevada.
0: Yeah. So for us on the kind of the, entering this event, we kind of thought this was just that, just a trading event. Um, not really the big, you know, what really matters. What really matters is the Fed. The Fed's tomorrow. Um, you know, they're driving the ship of everything. Um, you know, Trump or Biden. Red or blue. I mean, it it you know, it, it, four years ago it, it was a different deal where you know, coming into the to the election, you know, everyone was sort of brainwashed that Trump was going to be super crazy and negative, and you know, sold it off. And then, you know, we knew that at some point it was people were going to realize this is probably really bullish, and we didn't know if it was that night or two days later or a week later, but we figured at some point, you know, market. And it was it price. was that
1: night, right? That was yeah, an well, insane yeah. flip. Well, we did
0: go limit down, you know, that night um, before before it rallied, so um you know coming to this though you know with and the fed my point was is the fed was kind of in the background in 2016 and now they're so involved that they are the market um you know with, with covid and everything the liquidity that's been pumped in
1: right quite um, literally buying corporate bonds directly and they're doing everything in the they're, ETFs. they're
0: past the point of slowing down and they can only go do more and you know to to the point to the to the extent where the neg the outcome of the election was negative, it just means more is coming, and you know so say we got that blue Senate and and Biden and we know it for sure by now. Yeah, markets probably would have sold off last night, but I would I would say by now or even you know by tomorrow's Fed announcement they re- they would have recovered and we'd probably be trading the same prices. So, you know that that to me is the real game and what they're going to say tomorrow and you know if the we've taken the worst case scenario off the table. So Senate, if Senate holds, you know, Republican, and I don't see right now anything bearish out there, unless it's just a trading event. So
1: do you think the Fed would actively be like buying and holding the markets up at those levels? You're just saying investors would come in it, you know, if it's down and we probably would end it up at the same levels.
0: Well, I mean, what's the point in getting out of stocks or, or, anything, if, if they go off 10% and they come in and save the day, I mean, I think you yeah. can stomach a 10% drawdown. So, I mean, I think that's, that's what the mindset is. And so you lever up and I mean, that's not what we're doing, just to yeah. say. but um, that's just, I think that's what you know participants are doing and they, they feel very comfortable being long because they know that, um, you know, someone's coming to save the day if they, if they're dead wrong.
1: Now, who does either of you have any insight on who Biden would likely appoint as Fed chair um, and what that might do? It's way too far
2: out for me. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's above my pay grade.
1: (laughs) But, right, that's interesting to consider, right? If that changes that dynamic, you know, if you got someone super hawkish in there, but I, yeah, Yeah. it doesn't seem like...
0: My one opinion there would be that I think you could take someone it's more likely that with a Biden Fed chair, you're going to get someone more on the MMT side where it's just full out money printing and really no regard to anything else. And which, you know, that's their theory that it's, if you have the reserve currency, you can do that. And, you know, I think that might be the road we're going down regardless. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, that's what, that's two years away. I think so.
1: The um, yeah, we'll see on that. The so speaking of currencies, was any seems like currencies were a nothing. Gold was a nothing. So it seemed as our, our bonds were moving, rates were moving a little bit, but everything tangential to that was kind of, you know, not moving at all.
0: Well, early you know early in the returns last night, the dollar did get relatively strong. You know, the yen came off quite a bit, the euro came off quite a bit, um, but then recovered. You know by by midnight and it's sort of stuck right here. You're right. It's not really doing anything. Um, Chris, I don't know if you guys touch currencies too much, but you know, yeah, we, relatively nothing going on there.
2: Yeah. So we, uh, we don't really play in that space. Um, one thing that we do monitor is the uh, the cross correlation between certain assets, right? So um, one thing that we noticed today, obviously you had that, that surge in bonds and, and uh, surge in equities, and it's just more confirmation to us that these two asset classes are no longer acting in the same sense that they initially were, right? So you have investors who are now in 60, 40 portfolios. And and I actually tweeted this, I was curious. I was like, I wonder how these investors are actually looking at their portfolios if they're looking at this and they're like, wow, you know, this is this is doing really well, right? But when you actually need it to do what it was meant to do, right, it's not gonna be there. As we've seen in the whole COVID situation where you had equities down, bonds down, gold down, the, the correlations just didn't hold. Um, so it's, it's just an interesting dynamic where I think people are probably accepting of this right now that, okay, you know, the, the correlation, the regular correlation that everybody's used to is no longer there between some of these cross assets. And when you're going to look for it on the flip side for it to be there to protect the portfolio, when you're talking about portfolio theory, it uh in, in our opinion, based on our analysis, we don't think that it's going to be there.
0: A question for you, Jeff. I'm going to be the interviewer here. I got a question for you, yeah. Hit it. All right, so this is one thing I've been talking about with investors and everybody since you know May and June when we kind of came off the lows and and markets kind of recovered with all the my uh, answer is going to
1: be four, huh? Go ahead, finish the question, <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but so I think that there's a there's one world in the markets that that you know I've been doing this 17 years, I haven't seen it, I you know, and I think people going back 50 years haven't seen it, and that's a, a world where um, you know, equities rally, but also volatility rallies along with it. And you know, I think that's that's actually what was driving all of that rally in the summer when everyone was like, Oh, this is crazy. And I was like, yeah. No, we're into a new world where volatility's high, but also equities keep moving higher. And they're gonna move all over the place. You're gonna have crazy two week periods where it comes off a lot, but then it's gonna go higher quickly. Um, you know, systems and I, you know. Billions and billions and billions, if not a trillion are, of, of dollars are managed based on the one fact that volatility comes down when equities go up, right? And kind of what you saw in the last day, but still, you know, we're trading at 28 VIX right now, 29.50. Yeah. And, you know, that's a huge number compared to what we've seen, you know, even time in the last 10 years. So um, just curious your thoughts there. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's a world where equities, even if the underlying economy is total shit. Spooze can trade 7,000. And, you know, especially if we go to this MMT world, we're talking about the new Fed chair in a couple of years or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna ask Chris that similar too. So we'll let Chris jump on that grenade first.
2: Yeah, so we actually really, really believe that we're moving into a regime where that's gonna be uh, pretty consistent. I'm not saying we're gonna see it every single month, but you know, the move that we've seen in uh, late August, early September, that was primarily driven by that large buyer Right. Um, I'm sure everybody read the stories on 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 SoftBank or whatnot. Right. So uh, uh, based on our knowledge, part of that was driven on that sense. But the continuation of it, right, the actual continuation of the flow, that was still a continuation of that that correlation break between, you know, vol and spot. And we think that in this new regime that we have come into, this is going to be a constant theme where, again, you may not see it you know, twice in a month, but you may see it, you know, maybe maybe twice every two months or something like that. So and, and when these moves do take place, we think that it will be uh, overemphasized because we think people will be so fast to try to come in and play the correlation from the other side that is just going to emphasize the move. Right. And, and I think that that's something that we made an iteration to in our book and the way how we trade um, volatility arbitrage to account for that type of right tail risk. And that's what we actually view as right tail risk in a scenario like that where you have vol up um, and then spot up. so I think yeah I, yeah I think if people are 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 look are listening to this, that's something that they should take um, they should take into account, especially when deciding what to do with their portfolio in 2021 oh, there I mean, you look at the distribution of volatility on you know
0: if we're talking equities or whatever you know, the, there's always this skew because people want to buy those way out of the money puts just in case, right? But they never buy those way out of the money calls. So it's just, right. it's mispriced, period. Absolutely. Yeah. But this,
1: to me, that whole concept, if it's going to stay elevated and we're going to get vol up, market up, it's, you're going to have to have a huge portion of institutional buyers change from basically buying outright stocks and hedging with puts to right. buying calls instead of stocks, right? It's like call replacement, beta replacement mm-hmm. with calls. Yeah. Um, and that's what would drive those premiums up and, and vol, quote unquote, vol up with the market. And the best part about that is, is the transition from here to
0: there, where that people actually do what you just said, Jeff, is going to be a process of lots of people losing lots of money before yeah. they decide to change their way they do things. And that's where the opportunity is in my mind. Um, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take six, nine months, a year, people getting their ass kicked um, before they change what they're
2: doing. Yeah, that's uh, exa- that's exactly why I think um, it's going to be emphasized move because I think guys will come in and look to fade that move initially and yep. and we kind of seen it right. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I looked at the move too and I was just like, yeah, this doesn't really make sense. But thankfully, we had a we had a little um a little take on what was causing the move. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think we'll have these small events that just get blown up because people are going to try to come in and fade it, and it's it's just going to turn into a bigger event.
1: Matt, are you saying the like market makers will get? lose a lot of money because there's
0: there's people all across the gamut that just you know based on the like i said the one the one uh principle of volatility is down as equities rally right so that you know even if they're long equities they start selling ball because that's supposed to be what happens right um but it's not what's happening it happens sometimes but it's you know it's 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 not what we saw all summer and you know we saw you know, best case 26 VIX in the last, you know, since, you know, since this crisis here of, of COVID. So, um, you know, and, we, we had a lots of years recently that if I would have prayed for 26 VIX and we can't even get there on the downside. now.
1: Right. Let's talk to that a little. Chris, what are you seeing in the, in the VIX curve? It looks like December now is bumped up. So it's like, right, there was a October hump. Then there was a November hump. And now, I pulled it up today on uh and it looks like there's a december hump
2: yeah, yeah, so now we went and into no, it was at
1: twenty eight sixty and die is at twenty nine ten not huge but and then the whole rest of the curve's in backwardation
2: yeah so the the uh the front part of the curve is now actually in kotango after uh, last night i'm I'm pretty sure it was in backwardation uh so yeah. last night um uh Maybe but yeah, it's on when, one of
1: those ten screens behind you.
2: yeah but yeah but so we're noticing uh we're noticing that i december vols is actually something we've been a little bit outspoken to we think some of the election risks should have been um focused on december vols uh for a few reasons on a few particular sectors so um thankfully we started playing december vols a little bit earlier so it's kind of a little bit of a free play for us at, at this level um but you know I, I would anticipate those vols to come in a little bit more. You kind of need a, you kind of need the market to compress the vols a little bit more, kind of get a little complacent, and then you'll have that left tail event take place if it's a left tail event. Um, but as of right now, as to where we're going, uh, it, it's looking like investors are more so uh, risk on and you'll see a little bit of a continuation of ball compression unless something comes out and, the woodwork.
1: And what do, you, what do you think will move us off that, you know, that curve and backwardation back to a more normal contango? Like yes. it's got to get compressed, totally reset back to normal.
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, not not absolute obliteration, but I, I would think you know you would need VIX somewhere around like 25 ish. Um, if I'm giving a level like that, you would need VVIX down a little bit more. Um, I would want to see a little bit more complacency. Um, and for actually, a period of time,
0: right? Not just for a few days, but like sit there.
2: Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Not, not just because we've been getting that those uh, few days type of moves. Right. We've been having those where VIX does this. Um, and then it's it, it got a little bit sticky coming into the election time, um, which was obviously people are going to be bit involved. But no, we would like to see a little bit more complacency. Um, and as I was saying before, there's a few sectors that we're, we're looking at, particularly for the holiday season where we actually think that there will be a good amount of dispersion and then there'll be an area to actually capture some of this uh, volatility arbitrage on a sector base.
1: Can you share some of those sectors? What? what yeah, you're yeah. thinking?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, we, we've been outspoken on the, uh, the banking sector. We think that there's going to be relative weakness in that sector. We actually think relative weakness in the oil sector, right? You had a lot of these oil names that were um, kind of on the bridge of, of, uh, of bankruptcy. But yeah we got
1: yeah. Zoom that we're on here is worth more than Exxon now, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a crazy that's set. insane. All right. So a lot of these uh, a lot of these oil companies were were almost bankrupt, but they were kind of waiting for this um, this election time to actually figure out who would if there would be an administration change and now that there is, we think that you'll start to see some more of those filings pop up. But the main sector that we're actually really interested in is uh, is XRT, the retail sector. And um, you know even though, we are not in a full-blown lockdown. We think that with the added restrictions on a global level, there's going to be a little bit of a pullback for holiday sales and how people actually spend some of their money, right? So like, let's just say, for example, let's, let's forget about the gifts. Let's just say on a regular basis, during the holiday season, you would have twenty people over. Maybe this, maybe this time around with the restrictions, you're only going to have ten people over, right? So that means yeah. you're going to buy less forks, less plates, less food, right? You, there's there's less gifts going around. There's there's less uh, decorations, right? So yeah, less corporate holiday parties. Right, exactly. So there's a, there's a lot less of that. So we actually think. Holiday sales are going to lag a little bit. Um, but the main reason why we're looking at the vols and XRT is primarily because of uh, the strength that it's recently had. If you guys check uh, the retail sector, it's been a, it's been bid the entire time, right? So we actually think a lot of those... Uh, I lost a lot of money
1: selling shorting Wayfair in my Play account. Um, <laughs> back at the, I'm like, no, it, went, it was at like 12 and it went to 300 yeah i'm like how many patio furniture are people buying here there's got to be an upper limit to like they're done they've filled up the patio right
2: yeah yeah the, the strength in xrt has been uh, tremendous i think it was something like uh i want to say like 25 to 52 dollars within this this run uh, after covid um so you know it, it, it's it's uh, it's pretty strong and we think coming into year end you'll have some people who are actually looking to take some profit off the table on that if you start seeing holiday sales lag people will probably be like okay we're going into into q1 of 2021 let's let's reallocate this sector has done fairly well um holiday sales are lagging and i think there's a way to actually take advantage and and try to are about the vols and that's in that base and I, I think too uh trading trading in relation to uh to to uh spx i think it's actually trading uh, like 13% range with it when you when you're looking at the uh 30 day uh 30 day implied. I may be wrong on that. Don't quote me on that. I, I think I took a look at it yesterday. You quoted yourself, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> I thought you were gonna come out and say you're going trip along mall reits that you really love, you really think the mall is gonna make a comeback.
2: No, no, that's not me. <laughs> that's not me.
1: Uh and so what anyone have thoughts on energy? Like energy got a little bid. That's perhaps because of the gridlock and uh Senate staying red, they're not going to get sweeping Green New Deal or whatnot pushed through. I don't know if that was ever going to happen anyway, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, I think just from my point of view on that, you know, we're not a, you know, dig into the fundamentals. We're more of a markets price action people. So, you know, oil is reversed hard from Sunday night, you know, traded down to $34. And and it's just this whole reflation. Everyone's, Everyone's position is right now, especially after today, is, loaded up on this reflation narrative um and so that's what you're seeing in crude oil but still it can't even get up here you know it's 38 39.06 right now um
1: and speak to that reflation to higher
0: to narrative
1: reflation narrative is basically like fed's going to do whatever they can to keep asset prices high
0: yeah i mean it's just it's, it's sort of the recovery it, you know is working and but you know there's also inflation kind of creeping in here which we've seen and that's just a function of stimulus and. You know all the stuff the fed's doing and you know to the extent the dollar kind of tops out here and it gets weaker that would that would kind of put a bit under that stuff so um energy is, is kind of for me i focus on it a lot is not necessarily we don't you know trade it a lot we do we did trade crude and brent um you know here and there as opportunity kind of comes in but and you know the risk reward profile has to be right uh, but it is a great indicator of copper as well of uh, just kind of global reflation And it's just a vote, you know, we put it in kind of our, you know, our cocktail of what our decision making process is. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a vote, but it's a significant vote
1: for us. Good. I like the vote talk on the day after the election. You're supposed to say you put it into your voting machine, right? Yeah, there you go. Um, Yeah. And I mean, to think that that was a couple months ago at negative 37, right? Or even, I can't remember, even before that move, it was at like 14 or something, right? Yeah, it was it
0: like forty-one dollars, and then fine, you know, I, you know, we were we were heavily on the deflation side early spring, and and uh, you know, it just wouldn't break forty-one dollars, and finally it did, and you know, we actually took uh, took it off in the low thirties, and and then there it went to zero and
1: beyond, right? So uh, there might be a little. Uh, I was hearing a little bit of like Biden's probably better to get uh, infrastructure done. Both sides of signal they kind of want that done um and it could be a little bit of stimulus as well for sure
0: yeah i mean i think whoever you know i, I assume it's biden at this point um but i think either side stimulus is coming infrastructure is coming
1: um they're not going to stop at this point uh, and then grains are at yearly highs too so I, w- I reached out to some of our guys on our ag side they're like no it's because there's el nino and there's drought in brazil and argentina um no election correlation there but i'm like maybe Um, maybe ethanol remains, remains in, in play. Great. What else we got? Any, any other thoughts? You know, for
0: for me, for us, it's, it's, it's just kind of focus on the Fed again. So, you know, we'll, obviously markets are going to whip around based on headlines and, whatever's going on with uh arizona nevada at this point um you know one way or the other but the markets are where they are you know we rallied quite a bit today in the s&ps and nasdaq um i don't think you know like we said at the beginning we took the bet the worst case scenario off the table so you know even if it flips to trump i would say that's more bullish than this now so um as far as the trading event goes
1: it's hard it's hard to be short this market right now i think you also to me you took off right there was a big worry chicago here they're boarding up stores on michigan avenue and there was some social unrest worries that there are going to be riots and and whatnot which still could come but it seems like that's it been rather uh tame i guess because no one's no one's felt like the loser yet so nobody wants to did they have the bridges up last night i don't know that but i know I know people were that was bubbling up in my local conversations of like, are you going out of town for the election night? Yeah. Like, yeah. no, what do you mean? I'm like, well, could get ugly. Yeah. Um Chris, were you gonna win? I was gonna ask one more thing, Matt, on on the Fed of which are both of you just what are your thoughts on their um, basically they're out of bullets? I
2: don't All think they're right. anywhere close to out of bullets. Okay. <laughs> I, I, All right, I'll, I'm on the other side of that one, Matt. I'm, I'm going yeah. to be on the other side. Here, here. Yeah, no, I, uh, I actually think that they, um, you know, I, I can't see. Well, first off, to take a step back, the, the Fed put has become like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way, right? Um, markets hear that the, the Fed is behind something and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy where they jump in and they actually, they, they buy with it. Um, but in regards to what the Fed could actually implement, I find it very difficult to see what else they could do. I mean, I, I, I know that the next move is coming in and buying equities with rates being so low where they're already at. I can't see uh, much more being done in regards of yield curve control. I just, I just can't see it. It's, it's something that I personally can't imagine. And I think this boils down to the actual sentiment of the investor belief in the Fed. And what I mean by that is that if you see a scenario where the Fed is buying, and the markets are actually pulling back on it. I think it's going to reaffirm the lack of belief for current investors and the sentiment will sh- will shift at that point. Now I have no idea if that's going to happen in the next, you know, year or two years or when it's going to happen, but I think with rates being so low, it's very difficult for the Fed to do much else. I mean, they're going to have to come in and support equities. But if they jump in and support equities, I mean, what are they going to do buy up a- all the, 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 the equities that are out there, right? It has yeah. to be, <laughs> you, you have to have that, that consumer sentiment, um, that that belief in the Fed. That, or they'll
1: the, just buy, a, you know, lever it up and calls on the big tech names. And
0: okay. I should qualify this. I think that there's, I don't know that whatever they're going to do is going to work. Yeah. But I think they're going to try if they right. have to do whatever did. they yeah. So I mean, I it's just, and, and to my, and that's what I mean by that. There's, yeah. they're going to, try it'll fire every bullet every everything they can think of if they have to
2: i agree with it uh, just
0: means the dollar goes down you know the dollar's still way up here compared to even a few years ago so they could devalue this dollar you know a lot before we even get to a point where people are starting to question what's going on um, but the
1: trick there is europe and Japan, everyone else is trying to devalue their currency right so right, right. It's a how do you how do you all do it at the same time
0: whoever goes biggest and, and first right so yeah um you know europe it's it's a hard deal for them to get that done um you know they don't have the you know the, the, they're talking about those euro bonds but i mean it's been nine months of talk or even longer and it can't get anything done over there so and they we can devalue a dollar with anybody so um we'll see i mean that's that's the kind of the whole point if, if the in the in the event that bad stuff happens they're going to do something else i mean we know that's going to happen now when They started the QE pr- program 12 years ago, or you know, in 2010 and, and beyond. You know, actually, rates went higher because people were sold into the Fed, like Chris was kind of mentioning that maybe that's not going to work. But it's just sort of a you know, it's another vote to devalue dollar and asset prices go higher, or at least have more of a bid than they would. Um, I don't necessarily think it adds to liquidity, like everybody says, because it kind of just gets sopped up in the system. Um, you kind of need these stimulus packages out of Congress to
1: get real liquidity out into the real world. Um, and from an administration standpoint, you could maybe argue the current Trump administration was keep stock prices high at all costs. New administration might have a different mandate for the Fed, right? Of like, no, we want you to focus more on unemployment or right. or something that that. So that could change the, the dynamic a bit. But I, yeah, my but personal opinion is... Biden
0: administration definitely is not going to view... The market is their report guard, like that, like Trump did.
1: So yeah, but to me, the Fed's kind of acting independently of that anyway, and just you know is being strings pulled by Goldman and all the rest of the the true puppet masters, and that's what's going to continue no matter who's who's leading. Um, final thoughts? Anyone got any thoughts on Bitcoin back up to five year highs? Not, uh, not five year highs, two year highs, whatever it was. It's nineteen. It's back to thirteen now. I think it was at 5000 in March.
2: I, I think uh, I'm, I'm not a Bitcoin investor or a Bitcoin trader, so that's just a uh, disclaimer out there. Um, but I think Bitcoin will have its day where it, it has a, a secondary rally. Um, I could see that, and it could come on, on the Fed actually mishandling the dollar on their part. Um, so I, I, I think Bitcoin is one of those things where in the long run, uh, I, I could see it actually making a, a move over its highs. Now, again, disclaimer: not a Bitcoin trader. I'm just going off of uh, off of some of the potential that I see.
1: You, I, yeah. you, you got to own a little bit just in case it does go to 500. Exactly 000. what I was just going to say. I'm yeah. not a
2: Bitcoin guy at
0: all. Um, me neither, I but I just some Bitcoin. Just me too. <laughs> yeah. oh. um, I, I, you know, I think the one thing I'll say about the Bitcoin move recently is that it sort of has decoupled from the dollar weakness or the dollar strength. I guess you know we've had some. You know, in the last six weeks, the dollar has, you know, grinded higher. It's been arranged, but moved higher a little bit, which has kind of held gold down a little bit. And, you know, Bitcoin kind of, you know, that correlation kind of went away um, and it started catching a bid and kind of moved up against that correlation that you would have expected. And in turn, you've kind of seen gold catch a little bit of a bit. It's only up, you know, maybe a percent, spent and a half since the lows down there uh, a few weeks ago. But the volatility inside of gold has really come in. And that's, you know, as we were talking about that, that volatility and price of an asset relationship, I think it's uh, what Bitcoin has done here is, is kind of pulled the curtain back on what's probably going to happen in gold here um, soon. So
2: Bitcoin is, like, Bitcoin is like vol itself, right? It carries a, a very attractive convexity profile. So, I mean, if you're a vol trader, I could absolutely see why you would be attracted to something like that.
1: Yeah. Um, you are a vol trader. <laughs> uh let's finish up with just you know what would shock each of you most like personally um over the next two days and then next year uh and what would shock what you think would shock the market most or if that's the same thing or different things
2: matt you want to go first
0: sure um i don't know what would shock me the most because i feel like in the last 15 years you've seen anything to, anytime you think something's going to happen the exact opposite major, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously at this point the, the major shock would be if Trump came back and won this thing. Um, but again, it's going from slightly bullish event to a really bullish event. So, you know, I don't think the, the market's not going to fall out of the bed on that. Now, if the path to get there where there's, you know, a big fight or, you know, a a really six week long drawn out past Christmas fight in the courts and the Supreme court about, you know, we don't know who the leader is or they're both claiming victory. I think that could be really bad. Um, And
1: the electoral votes are due. What is it? December 4th, I think.
0: Yeah. So I would, you know, that would, that would be a shocking event. I think one thing that's really significant that happened today that won't be on anybody's radar is the two year yield. Um, You know, huge outside reversal from last night to a lower yield. It was, you know it's been grinding higher the curve was steepening in the last month um, again on this reflation narrative and it's sort of really rejected some levels last night and if it starts grinding lower again i would put that front and center on your radar because that's
2: going to be a huge deal chris yeah i um i would be shocked if this goes the this um this rebuttal goes on past the beginning of December. Um, I think it could turn into one of those events if it gets dragged and then we start seeing headlines. There is some headline risk there if the market starts to move on on Biden winning, as we've been seeing. And then next thing you know, we kind of get a headline that says that uh, some of the allegations are true. If, if that takes place, I think the market will react very negatively on that because you had guys that were pre-positioning already on, an, on an, uh, a Biden administration. And those are the type of events that we like to play as convexity seekers and guys that trade ball arb. we're looking for events that could potentially line up into something like that. So um, if we do see it get to that stage where it's in court, um, we'll absolutely try to play it because it could offer an opportunity where, where the market kind of moves the other way on it. Um, Long-term, I I guess, well, you know, one year, I would be shocked to see the market move steady and, and grind steady uh, for a year consistently. Um, uh, we're kind of anticipating we have another uh, left tail event take place. We think that these things are happening much more frequently as we've seen, you know, post 2017. We've seen it with Armageddon. We've seen it December of uh, of 2018. We've seen it obviously with COVID. Um, so we're anticipating to see more negative dealer positioning kind of get caught off guard. We kind of think the way how Uh, market microstructure has been changing it's leading us into this this new regime where you'll start to see these events happen more frequently so if we have a year that is just steady and straight up that will be a little bit shocking to us but
1: um yeah
0: i would agree with that i would would be totally shocked if it just slowly grinded up like 2017 style yeah um that what i'm talking about what i was talking about earlier with the you know a volatile rally i think to get that that right tail, uh, you know, in returns profile in the equity market, you have to get what Chris just said was a a deflationary event or scare of some sort. So markets down before they go way up just because of the policy response. Um, and so you can right, so market. like down down fifteen, up forty five instead exactly. of exactly. And you don't get the up forty five
1: without the down fifteen, or yeah. you know, to throw numbers out there. Um, great guys. I think my. And no, no fears of like Elizabeth Warren is named head of banking or something, and completely no one can trade, no one can do anything. Uh, <laughs> I don't
0: think that's going
1: to be anything. But well, <laughs> right? Those those were the scariest parts of the of futures tax, a financial transaction mm-hmm. tax. Uh, at least we had the fair tax got defeated here in uh, Illinois. Yeah. All right, guys. It's been fun. Um, We'll put up your contact info out on the pod notes, and uh, we'll talk to you both soon. All right. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure, Thank you so much for having me. Yep. You've been listening to The Derivative. Links from this
0: episode will be in the episode description of this channel. Follow us on Twitter at @rcmalt. And visit our website to read our blog or subscribe to our newsletter at rcmault.com. If you liked our show, introduce a friend and show them how to subscribe. And be sure to leave comments. We'd love to hear from you.